The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
vibrant glow of people knowing Ooh, ebullient streams of water everybody. This is the Tom Sumner program. My guest this hour is the Samuel C. Johnson Professor in Global Sustainable Enterprise and Professor of Management at Cornell University. He became interested in the B Corp movement while teaching a course at Harvard Business School on how companies could be more strategic in their corporate social responsibility. He lives in New York City. He's written a book on the subject. It's called Better Business how, um, let's see, let me find the, uh, oh, how the B Corp movement is remaking capitalism. Again, the book is Better Business, How the B Corp Movement is Remaking Capitalism. It's written by Christopher Marcus, and uh, Chris joins me by phone. Chris, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks, Tom, for having me. Wonderful to be with you. Um, the B Corp movement, um, you call it a movement, um, is it, it, is it a movement, and, and how is that different than other kinds of corporations, um, and have they been movements as well? Yeah, so I, I do think, you know, that's a word that's in the title, so I, it's something I did think a lot about. So I think it's a movement uh, because, you know, it's not just about the entity B-Lab that is certifying them, but, you know, all of the entrepreneurs that have converted their companies to B-Corps, 
investors that have sort of taken on the tools and processes of B Corps to assess their, their businesses, uh, and also many consumers that are really passionate about this. So this is something that really is uh, is taking off in, in the world, surprisingly uh, to me as well. You know, as you mentioned at the outset, I learned about this from my students when I was teaching at HBS. Uh, you know, a student said to me, you know, we're learning about all these big companies, uh, and they're just doing these CSR programs on the side. Uh, you know, what about B corporations where there's a social mission at the core of the company? Uh, and, you know, when I went off and investigated it, uh, it's, you know, the passion of the people that are involved in this is just, you know, mind blowing to me every time I talk to an entrepreneur and they were just, you know, as excited about being part of this movement and changing capitalism as they were about selling the products and services that their business op- offered. I remember a time when, when local businesses and, and the local branches of, of uh, national companies um, had a real stake in the local community. And there was this sense that, that social conscience was a big part of um, not just doing business, but doing business well. And that seems to have changed. Is the B Corp movement bringing that back? Exactly. I think that's exactly one of the things that the B Corp movement is is trying to do. You know, I think, you know, what you've observed is something I think that's been a real uh, sort of a real sad state of our economy over the past decades. You know, if you look, you know, back, you know, pretty early, like 50s or 60s, you know, companies were actively involved in their communities, even large companies, uh, uh, particularly in small companies as well. And, you know, the last, you know, 30 to 50 years, you know, companies have been increasingly focused on just delivering more profit to their shareholders, sort of shareholder primacy, it's called. And the B Corp movement is really an effort to swing the pendulum back the other way uh, and provide mechanisms for companies to deliver more value for all stakeholders, not just shareholders. Now, what does an entrepreneur or a uh, company have to do to certify as a B Corp? So it has to do a couple things. Uh, so one is it has to pass a certification test, basically. Uh, so it's called the B Impact Assessment. It's you know administered by this nonprofit, independent third-party nonprofit called B Lab. Very rigorous. Over 200 items that the company is assessed on. Everything from you know in the environment realm, different you know carbon emissions, uh, carbon others, you know water use policies around things like waste, whether they, you know, companies recycle, uh, to the social realm, things such as, you know, gender balance in the executive ranks, any sort of, you know, measuring any sort of pay disparities that might exist between, uh, you know, different sort of groups within the company. Uh, So, you know, I have to go through this very rigorous assessment, and then if they score above a certain threshold, it's actually 80 out of 200, they're able to become a B Corp. Uh, Other things they have to do, you know, they have to sign on to something called the Declaration of Interdependence. And this, I think, also is why it's sort of a movement, because, you know, these companies are, you know, saying they're part of a collective movement that is trying to not just sell products, but also trying to change uh, change the world. Uh, another thing they have to do, and this is, I think, in some ways, the certification 
is incredibly rigorous and hard, but they also have to change their legal incorporation into a structure that recognizes all stakeholders. So, you know, again, you know, we're talking about these changes in the last number of years. You know, one thing that has been really, I think, detrimental uh, to the U.S. economy, and, you know, we see all these things, environmental degradation, wildfires in California, uh, you know, systemic racial injustice protest. Uh, and I think a big issue is that, you know, with this focus on shareholders, uh, company only, you know, primary focus on shareholders, you know, companies have taken much less uh, proactive work in their communities. Uh, and part of that re- is, is not the company's fault, actually. You know, there is something in corporate law, uh, you know, there's a variety of cases that were passed in the 1980s that really focused companies on shareholders as their primary constituent. And so, so, so for B corporations, they have to actually undo that. And there's a new type of company called a benefit corporation, which they can incorporate as. And if there are things like LLCs, they can rewrite their operating agreements to recognize many types of stakeholders. So, so I mentioned in my long-winded answer, I apologize. No, no. You know, the certification, certification, signing this Declaration of Interdependence, and then they also have to change their the incorporation form of the company to recognize multiple stakeholders. How did the, the B Corp designation come about? Sure. So uh, three entrepreneurs uh, who were friends since college, they uh, – all had successful careers, you know, they're, uh, I think in their early fifties, probably now. So, you know, they had, you know, been working for 30 years, 20, first 15 to 20 years, you know, they, you know, started companies, were well-known investors. Uh, and after that time period, they realized there's some systematic, uh, items that are taking, um, that are stopping companies from being able to enact social good. And so, they, uh, they started this organization, B-Lab, with the intention of trying to focus or trying to enable companies to do well and do good at the same time. More on B Corps and the B Corp movement with Christopher Marcus. Straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us, 
at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The Tom Sumner Program.com. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More on B Corps and the B Corp movement with Christopher Marcus. Straight ahead. How does this change day-to-day operations of a business? And and how does it impact the bottom line? Yeah, so in some ways, it, it has, you know, a big change on, on the day-to-day operations because companies will, you know, be thinking about their employees and thinking about the environment. You know, um, you know for instance, you know, some of the companies I've talked to, you know, when they're doing some sort of capital improvement project, you know, have added, you know, environmental indicators uh, and environmental KPIs in, into the project. But on the other hand, you know, much of this is, you know, once a company is operating like this, it's, you know, become second nature to to the employees uh, and to the leaders. You know, so many of the companies that I've talked to uh, say that this is something that has helped them with their employee 
attraction and retention in ways that are just amazing and surprising to them that where, you know, reduce the, you know, attrition to single digits and in industries where it's in the triple digits uh, for some companies and, you know, have people lined out the door whenever there's openings because actually millennials and Gen Zs want to come to a place, work at a place where, you know, they can show, you know, where their purpose and their values can be uh, on display. And many companies say to report to me that, you know, the reason why people write, people write on the application form, you know, why do you want to come to this company? It's because you're a B Corp. And so, uh, so I think that, you know, there are big changes, I guess you could think, but, but really once they're done, it becomes part of the operating routines of the company. And so it's, uh, and, and ends up becoming better businesses in some ways, as I named the book, um, as far as, you know, profitability is sort of the second part of your question, you know, probably, I mean, not probably, I think almost definitely, perhaps these are short, they're short-term costs uh, to this, but, you know, my argument in the book, and this is supported by, you know, tons of research and sort of, I'm not the only one who thinks this, you know, you know, becoming more socially and environmentally responsible makes a company more sustainable in the long term, reduces long-term risks, and many think it's an indication of management quality. So, for instance, you know, Larry Fink, who's, I think, the largest investor in the world, you know, CEO, founder of BlackRock, has been writing these annual letters to uh, CEOs uh, and investors over the last number of years where he's been arguing that, you know, companies should have a purpose. Companies should be focused on environmental sustainability, social responsibility. And, you know, he is one of the sort of hard, hardest-nosed capitalists alive. And he's not doing this, I don't think, because, you know, he's, you know, turned into a socialist. He's doing this because uh, he sees that, that actually those companies that focus on these long-term issues are the ones that actually perform better in the long run. So I think that it's, uh, and like I mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of, of research around this as well. So, so that's actually why I titled the book Better Business, because, you know, many of the companies told me that, you know, we started this because we really believed in the social and environmental benefits uh, and being able to, to assess that and, and know that we were doing that. But actually, it turns out that we're a better business as, as a result you know, not only better for the environment, better for society, but better for our uh, employees, investors uh, as well. Chris, do the, the, the companies that become B Corps, are they, are they reorganizing their, their companies? Do these tend to be small businesses or are there companies that we would have heard of? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of companies we would have heard of. A lot of them are, you know, so traditionally it's been more sort of smaller, medium-sized uh, firms, you know, but, but many well known. I mean, from Patagonia, Ben and Jerry's, uh, Seventh Generation, or some well known uh, ones that probably most of your listeners have heard of. You know, e- even companies that are not typically thought of as being sort of socially focused companies, like Kickstarter, for instance, uh, Hootsuite. Uh, these also are companies that have sort of signed on to this uh, movement. You know, for 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 you know, so this has been around since 2006, so coming up on almost 15 years. I would say for the first decade or so, it was primarily small to medium-sized businesses. But this has really changed over the recent number of years. And it really, you know, sort of 
two trends to me that suggest this movement is really taking off. I mean, one is the just the millennial and Gen Zs, like I mentioned. But the second is how large companies have really started embracing uh, this model. Uh, so, for instance, Danone, uh, you know, the large, you know, $30 billion uh, a, a year uh, revenue company headquartered in Paris has taken on this B Corp idea and is committed to becoming a B Corp at the, at the global level by 2025. Actually, its U.S. subsidiary is already a B Corp. Uh, that's a $6 billion operation. And, you know, so, the, you know, if you look at the, those of you who have everything from, you know, Dan and yogurt, uh, Oikos yogurt, silk, soy milk, Horizon Milk. You look on the, the, those packages, and they have got the B logo. That Danone, uh, for instance, is a large, uh, a large B Corp. You know, other large companies. You know, Athleta. Uh, many of your reader, your listeners might uh, know of Athleta. Athleta, very sort of popular and well-known athletic and, and yoga brand. And like I mentioned, sort of many other large companies have been taking this on. And are they able to? Um to function um, with these new uh, constructs competitively? Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's, that's what's been reported to me, and there's no indication that they're, they're not. Uh, you know, I mean, Danone is an example. You know, all the companies I mentioned are actually very econo- doing economically very well. I mean, Patagonia, Seven Generation, Ben & Jerry's. Danone, um, um, Kickstarter, you know, one of the things that really suggests to me that these are economically viable uh, and really economically successful, not just sort of, you know, Larry Fink saying this is how how companies should be, uh, but, you know, people are putting in some ways their money where their mouth is. So, you know, over the past probably 10 years, you know, all of the leading venture capital companies in the world have taken on B corporations into their portfolio, you know, things like, you know, Kleiner Perkins, New Enterprise Associates, uh, TPG, you name it, and Andreessen Horowitz, you know, they, they have invested in B Corps. So, so these people, again, sort of some of the most hard-nosed capitalists in the world would not be investing in, um, be investing B Corps. You know, KKR, which, you know, you might remember the um, Barbarians at the Gate book of the sort of storming of RJR Nabisco hostile takeover, <laughs> you know they actually invest in B corps. Uh, so so you have these investors that are, you know, that are sort of showing putting their money where their mouth is that these actually firms are economically viable. Uh, and just this month, or excuse me, just this summer in July, uh, two B corps, recent B corps went public. So Lemonade is an online insurance firm. Uh, the best performing IPO of 2020, a B Corp, uh, and then also Vital Farms makes sort of pasture-raised eggs. Also, a B Corp uh, went public later on in July, and I think its stock went up by 20% in the first day. So, so these are companies that are, you know, they may sound like, uh, you know, I don't know, from, from more from a socialist economy, uh, but they're companies that actually, because, you know, treating your employees treating your suppliers, uh, treating your communities well is about long-term sustainability. And, you know, investors are uh, investing in them because they are really good investments. How are B Corps uh, faring during the pandemic? Any better, any worse? Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say that they are uh, faring um, it's uh, better or worse. You know, I, I don't know if I could say. I mean, I think probably better. I think that they are their approaches to the pandemic are, I think, much more equitable across the stakeholders. So, you know, for instance, Danone is an example. You know, they had this really, I thought, very thoughtful way of dealing with the pandemic. So they uh, sort of soon in in March and April came out and said, okay, employees, you know, we are guaranteeing your contracts through certain days. So you don't have to work. You don't have to worry. Uh, suppliers, we will, um, you know, honor our commitments to you. You know, this is in contrast to, you know, many suppliers, uh, you know, or sort of other companies like there was some press accounts with fast fashion companies that, you know, the pandemic hit and obviously retail sales collapsed. And so they abandoned a bunch of, they stuck a bunch of their suppliers in Bangladesh and Vietnam uh, with, you know, with basically the problem. Uh, and so, you know, Danone, you know, sort of stood by its suppliers and you might have seen there were many examples of of dairy, which is a big part, big part of the supply chain. You know, because of various breakdowns in the supply chain, you know, you know, farmers had to you know flush milk down, right. you know, down the um, you know down the drain because it's not something that you know it's something that constantly keeps coming, obviously from uh, from cows daily uh, uh, daily production. So they stood by their suppliers. They actually did some work in their communities as well uh, to help sort of bolster the communities and shareholders. They committed to, to maintaining the dividend uh, as, as well. So, you know, on the downside, on, on sort of the, you know, ways to deal with these, so the executives uh, did actually take some pay cuts. Uh, so they took it out of the executives. Uh, so it's something where I think, I, you know, in a lot of stories like this, you know, smaller company, you know, Rhino Foods, you know, based out of Burlington, Vermont, uh, interviewed the CEO uh, of that company. And they, you know, did a lot of very creative uh, things to, to keep their operations running. Uh, and then also make sure that their community uh, was also functioning. So, for instance, they started a program uh, providing dinner for their employees uh, that, that came into the factory to work, uh, sourced from local restaurants, because restaurants were obviously hurting during during that, that time period. Right. Uh, so, so I think that that, uh, you know, the, the B Corp model through the pandemic has helped uh, uh, address a lot of the sort of, you know, issues that came about where, you know, companies were not as interconnected or interdependent with their employees or communities. It sort of uh, helped um, sort of, you know, uh, maintain the viability of those stakeholders as well. Well, yeah, the pandemic has been such a... Uh um, complete disruption of of daily norms and um, and it came up upon just so all of the sudden and now we we're talking about beginning to open things back up and things are little by little kind of trying to return to what's being called a new normal um, how will the b corp movement impact the new normal. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that is, um, you know, not just pan- the obviously pandemic, but also I think the issue with, you know, the sort of systemic racism that has been highlighted. Uh, I True. think this is something where, you know, the B Corp community has con- contributed tremendously because actually, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion 
is a core part of the model. And, you know, you know, B Lab has something, a voluntary program that the B Corps can go through called the, the um, Diversity, Equity and uh, Inclusion Challenge, where companies, you know, go deeper in the measurement of, um, you know, a variety of, of those DEI issues and then commits to improving on them. And so I think that, you know, as businesses work to become much more uh, sort of, you know, equitable, more have more justice uh, embedded in them, I think that the B Corp model it provides a really useful, uh, you know, example of that. And I've written on that a bunch, you know, if, if readers, or excuse me, listeners were to take a look at my uh, series of Forbes articles that I've written, which I can get to from, from my website, uh, they can see a variety of, of of points on that. I think more generally, you know, the early in the pandemic, there was a lot of discussion about how, you know, this very profit-oriented economy, you know, really left the U.S. system not very resilient. So, you know, the thing like the difficulty getting masks and ventilators very early, I think, you know, that's because there's this sort of just-in-time system where you don't want to pay for anything unless it's, um, you know, unless it's like two days away, you don't, you don't want to. Um, so I think that there's been some rethinking, you know, how can we create a more sort of resilient system? And I think that thinking about supply chains, uh, thinking about communities and thinking about employees is a way to go about that. And I think that the, you know, B Corp model has um, a lot to say about that. There are so many things going on right now in this country, Chris, uh, between, and, and I'm glad you brought up systemic racism and, and and some of the issues in the wake of the George Floyd killing and others um, in, in some of the uh, demonstrations and, and things that have grown up out of that. There's the pandemic. We're, we're seeing, as you and I are speaking, uh, a hurricane, uh, you know, wreaking havoc in the gulf uh wildfires all up and down the the west coast and and really all over the west as far as that goes do these conditions create an environment where businesses are going to start rethinking their missions and i'm talking about those businesses that that consider shareholders the primacy are, are they going to start rethinking their missions, or I guess put another way, are, are B Corps a sea change? So I think that B Corps are a sea change, and I think that um, and I think that this is something a, a movement of, of sort of more traditional business rethinking their role has actually has a little bit of headwinds on it uh, because you may you may recall in in two thousand nine late two thousand nine the Business Roundtable, which is the organization of the 200 largest CEO, business CEOs in, in the United States, changed its statement on the purpose of the corporation, saying the company should be much more stakeholder-focused as opposed to just focused on shareholders. I think uh, the Larry Fink example is another one of that. You know, World Economic Forum in Davos this last, or not this year, actually, in, in January 2020, uh, before the pandemic, was focused on you know, reorienting business around stakeholders. So, so I think that, you know, sort of this idea that businesses should be much more focused on stakeholders has some headwinds. And I think that, you know, the, uh, from the leaders I've talked to and sort of articles that I've read, you know, the pandemic, um, um, you know, this series of horrible events, uh, 
you know, starting with George George Floyd's killing um, that that have raised public attention uh, and had lots of, um, you know, sort of action in the, in the streets to try to change our system have only accentuated uh, accentuated that. So I think I think it's the time is is ripe for a change in our uh, economy. You know, in some ways, Chris, our conversation about B Corps sounds a little bit like inside baseball uh, to a lot of people. Um, if you know what I mean by that, it's like when people talk about Wall Street or the stock market, and everyday people kind of look at that and go, well, that doesn't really have anything to do with me. What What do you say about this movement and how it will ultimately impact all of these people that have been thrown out of work by the pandemic, aren't really sure, you know, whether or not their jobs will be there as their places of business begin to open. We've seen restaurant closings. We've seen retail store closings. Um, what What is in store for John Q. Public in the uh, wake of the pandemic and, and in a B Corp movement environment? Yeah, so I think, I mean, that's a, that's a that's a big and challenging question. I think that, uh, you know, one thing. That well, I Chris, think, I wanted to give you okay. something to work with. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, I, that, that's, that's, that's my job. It's uh, kind of come to the territory. So, uh, you know, so my, my personal opinion on, on this is that, uh, and one of the things that message of the book is that, you know, we all as consumers should be, making our, our, you know, making our decisions around supporting companies that actually support us uh, and are not just sort of about returning money to, to shareholders. And so, you know, a message of the book is that all of us individually, you know, can help change society and, and the world through the purchases that we make. And so, you know, one thing I do hope that the book um, uh, and I hope in our, in, our, in our discussion here convinces at least some people that that you know, this idea of being a conscious consumer is very important and that actually the B Corp logo is a useful mark to know when the company is being authentic because so many companies nowadays, you know, they may say they're doing well, but people, you don't know actually if they're doing, you know, doing well by the community or society or not. So really having some sort of certification and verification, I think, uh, is, is very useful. So, so one of the there are general messages I hope to people is that, you know, in some ways vote, vote, vote with your dollars uh, and vote every day. You know, you don't, you know, the selections you choose at the supermarket, at the retailer, you know, on online, you know, these can have an impact in shaping, you know, society and the environment. Chris, um, unfortunately we're, we're out of time. I'm enjoying this conversation, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Obviously, your book, Better Business, How the B Corp Movement is Remaking Capitalism, is a great place to start. But, uh, Chris, is uh, is there a resource or a website that you might uh, steer people toward? Sure, sure thing. So I think, uh, you know, the, the B-Lab has a website that sort of describes this movement, describes what it means to be a B Corp, list a bunch of, you know, important B Corps, uh, you know, I think people will be surprised to see the, the wide variety of companies across all different industries and all different geographies. You know, something we didn't talk a lot about, but actually, you know, while the movement started in America, actually most B Corps 
nowadays or outside of America. So it's a truly uh, global movement. I encourage companies or excuse me, individuals to go there. And I think I think it's bcorporation.net, but but through Googling B Lab, people can can find it out. And then also my personal website is Chris Marquis. Uh, my name.com and it has more about the book on my website well chris thank you so much for spending this time with me i appreciate it best of luck with the book and everything else you're doing yeah super it's great great to have the conversation tom really appreciate you having me on take care that was uh chris marcus he is um the author of the book better business how the b corp movement is remaking capitalism in addition to that, he is the Samuel C. Johnson Professor in Global Sustainable Enterprise and Professor of Management at Cornell University. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hey, on behalf Team of Detroit, Beats on the hey, we want to present these buffs to our governor, hey. Big Grits. Throw the buffs on their face, because that's Big Grits. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Grits. You can find her in the press. Under Big Grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grits. Throw the buffs on her face. Cause that's Big Grits. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Grits. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grits. Come on. Big Grits and this bitch playing no roles. Excuse all the cussing. That's just how I get my flow on. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Grits says stay home. All that protesting was irrelevant. Big Grits ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we gonna take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Big Grits got him shook now. When it's all over, you invited to the cookout. When it's all over, you deserve to get took out. Big Grits with the bucks on on the lookout. And she doing it for Michigan, so when she hit the stand, everybody should be listening. She on their pair of bucks with the ice in them glistening. On behalf of the whole Detroit mission. Throw the bucks on her face, cause that's Big Grits. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Grits. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grits. Throw the bucks on her face, cause that's Big Grits. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Grits. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grits. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed Two. or been outside. Two. 
Virtual playdates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone. I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Uh, I worked as an accountant for a number of years in Chicago. Uh, and I had a kind of a strange uh, theory of accountancy. 
Uh, I had always felt, uh, you know, if you got within two or three bucks of it, But this never really caught on. <laughs> and as a consequence, I held a number of different accounting jobs, you see. And it seemed like whenever I would go with a company, uh, they would always be having a retirement party. And I found out one thing. They are all alike. Uh, different people will retire. Different people make the speeches. But they all say the same tired old thing. I went to one in Chicago for a guy named Chuck Bedlow. He was an accountant and he was retiring after 50 years. And first of all, Mr. Clayton got up. He was the president, he gave a little address. Then Mr. Tipton, the vice president, gave a little address. And finally, Bruce Higgins, the head of the accounting department, got up and gave a little address. And he was Mr. Trite. He used every cliche that had ever been used at a retirement party. Uh, and he said things like this. Well, uh, uh, golly, I guess today's the day, isn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's really going to seem funny, though, uh, golly, walking in here Monday morning and, and not seeing, uh, not seeing uh, uh, Charlie's uh, smiling, happy face there at the desk. I, uh, I got to calling him smiling, easygoing Charlie. <laughs> and I guess most of us had some sort of nickname or other. We used to call him from time to time. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget a... Well, that, that too, yeah. Uh, I'll never forget a kind of amusing thing happened. Uh, I just gotten out of college and... Uh, now, what's the what's phrase I'm looking for here? I, I, well, a, a little wet behind the ears, I guess, might be the way to put it. <laughs> and I was made department head here. And uh, many's the night that Charlie and I used to uh, sort of uh, burn the midnight oil, so to speak. So let's really hear it now for a wonderful old guy. Uh, uh, Charlie uh, Bredlow. Bedlow, Bedlow. Charlie? Well, uh, uh, thank, uh, thank you very much, Bruce. Yeah, I've been uh, sitting here uh, listening to uh, Mr. Clayton and uh, Mr. Tipton, and of course Bruce here, and through all of their species, one thought kept sort of uh, recurring in my mind. I, uh, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> dribbling all my life. <laughs> I, I don't suppose that it, it ever occurred to any of you that I had to get half stoned every morning <laughs> to make it down to this crummy job. 
you'd uh, you'd you'd be smiling and easy going if you were gas all the time too. <laughs> but you put in your 50 years and they give you this crummy watch. <laughs> they I try to try to make a big deal out of it. It works out to about 28 cents a year. <laughs> but uh, ser seriously, if it hadn't been for the 50 bucks a week that I glommed out of petty cash, <laughs> well, I, I just uh, I couldn't have made it on the. And a lousy salary they pay you. <laughs> oh, and then uh, someone started the rumor about Miss um, Wilson, the uh, the cashier, and myself. <laughs> and everyone was running if uh, you know when I retire, and uh, she gets back from her vacation in Florida. Whether well, uh, we would get married, I suppose, and spend our declining years down there. Uh, she, she isn't coming back, by the way. <laughs> I understand that sweet old Miss Wilson is uh, into this company for about a hundred thousand bucks. <laughs> it's, it's a little deal that she's worked out. She either calls it uh, double payrolling or ghost payrolling or some, something having to do with payrolling. <laughs> I can never make heads or tails out of what she was talking about. Of course, she's uh, down in Mexico with a hundred thou. And I'm up here with this crummy watch. <laughs> So anything that I might say, I suppose, would be sour grapes. <laughs> One last thing. A lot of uh, people have asked me, Charlie, what are you going to do when you finally retire? Are, are you going to get a little uh, part-time job in Florida or uh, just a lull around the beach? Or in other words, what am I going to do? I have some tapes from some office parties. <laughs> that I'm I'm going to let go for fifteen hundred bucks a copy. <laughs> now let me let me take that back a minute. Uh, the June picnic may run seventeen five. <laughs> And with the money that I make off of the tapes, and Ms. Wilson's under a thou, <laughs> I should uh, do pretty good. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. 
This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. That was Bob Newhart in the Comedy Spotlight, but I want to say thanks to my guest this past hour, Christopher Marcus, talking about B Corps and the B Corp movement. Uh, Kind of an interesting uh, thing. And uh, thanks again to Derek Black, who uh, has written the book Schoolhouse Burning. He is a law professor and education advocate. Um, Very interesting conversation with Derek Black. And, of course, remembering uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, who passed away last Friday at age 87, with constitutional law professor Brendan Beery, and uh, talking about some of the fallout and what's going to be going on. I'm sure that subject will come up tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow's... Wednesday, which means it's armchair politics from 10 to noon or the second and third hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. And Jan Worth Nelson will be joining the roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left and Henry Hatter on the right for tomorrow's edition of Armchair Politics. Plus, we're going to squeeze in a little chat with uh, Genesee County Clerk Register uh, John Gleason talking about the... uh, uh, arrival of the uh, of the new ballots and uh, where people can get those and and what people can expect and so on. So uh, be sure and join us tomorrow for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. Thanks for tuning in, folks. <coughs> Sorry, that's George Winters. Let me know it's time to head down the hall to the living room. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.